You know, sometimes that's how it worked out. I thought that I was a pretty terrible pitcher for a very long time in my life, and then it turns out that I just needed to go to bat instead. <laughs> it's a metaphor, but I'm not going to tell you for what. Recorded during the Coffee Cup Exhibition Tournament, this is This Is a Cultural Event, a baseball recap podcast. I'm your host, Evan Saft. My pronouns are they, them. Joining me, as always, is your other host, Eli. Hello, my name is Eli Lee, and my pronouns are also they, them. Eli, are you ready to talk about some baseball? First, how are you doing? How 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 have you been? How how was your Thanksgiving? Was it was it free? Of, was did you enjoy not having to think about baseball or not having me think about baseball <laughs> at you? My Thanksgiving was spent with just me and my partner since we didn't travel to see family, obviously, and it was just perfumed with the the wonderful aroma of Trader Joe's hors d'oeuvres, which I either air fried or baked in the oven. And the the wonderful smell of me not thinking about baseball. It smells like my brain not burning. Unfortunately, the smoke is going to start because because we got we got some baseball to talk about. I feel my temperature rising. Lay that baseball on me. All right. So season four of baseball. The subtitle for this season is feedback. But before we get into the season proper. You might recall that at the end of season three, there was going to be an extended siesta. So about a week was taken off from baseball, much as we took a week off, but baseball took a week off and there weren't any games running. However, there were two notable events that happened during this extended siesta. The first is an event known as the Unmasoning. So you might also recall where we left off at the end of season three, uh, there was what we dubbed the Infinite Wyatt Theorem. As the microphone raised, Los Angeles was split into the multiverse, and all players on the now-named Unlimited Tacos were renamed to be Wyatt Mason. Now, over the course of the extended siesta, the commissioner on Twitter put forth some tweets dealing with localization of the players back to our reality. And up there goes gravity. Uh, Of course, accomplished by likes and retweets and getting correct ratios. And the only only time when it's good to be ratioed, I think. Uh, (laughs) And ultimately, this is able to somewhat restore the unlimited tacos. Uh, A couple players are able to fully reclaimed their names for the most part, being Baldwin Breadwinner, Patel Beyonce, Alejandro Leaf, and Sexton Weirer. A couple other players are able to recover some of their name, but still having an artifact of that Wyatt Masoning. 
Those being Moses Mason, Wyatt Glover, Rat Mason, Wyatt Pothos, Basilio Mason, McDowell Mason, Wyatt Quitter, Wyatt Davenport, Wyatt, and Wyatt Owens. Notably on that list, two players were corrupted somewhat uh, more so as in the tweets dealing with their localization, the commissioner misspelled them. So Sexton Weirer used to be Sexton Wheeler and Wyatt Davenport used to be Lee Davenport. But due to, you know, Commissioner Parker McMillan III's uh, grasp on spelling, they didn't quite end up the same. Now, the one other oddity here is the original Wyatt Mason. The original Wyatt Mason is renamed to N-A-N, which is the computational term for not a number, representing a value that cannot be properly represented. If you see, typically in, like, programming, you'd see not a number if you tried to divide something by zero, or had other such problems of trying to convert something incorrectly. You see, I thought that what had happened was that Wyatt Mason had been horribly aged by his process of going through the multiverse, so they decided to give him a, a kicky nickname, like Old Nan. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, maybe Blaseball needs more grandma representation. With all the goddamn shit going on in Blaseball, I think the least you could ask for is, like, one spry old woman just kicking it out on the field. Yeah. Did you have a did you have a fun name for your for your grandmas? Like what what name do you think needs to be added for for grandmas? Oh jeez. This is okay, so this is a problem. This sounds more depressing than it actually was. Most of my grandparents died before I was born. <laughs> so I I <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my god. What have I done? I had no idea that our baseball podcast would A, lead to me expounding on more of my backstory, and B, us finding out that it's actually a tragic backstory. No, I had one grandma who, she she helped raise me because both of my parents were working and she lived right next door. And we didn't really have, like, a fun nickname for her. She was just, like, Grandma or Grammy. I think this was also partially a byproduct of the fact that my family is Irish. Because apparently the Polish, they have just got all of the fucking good, like, grandma names. Well, yeah, my, my, my Polish grandma was, was Bubby. Um, yeah, they've got like No, that's that's, you know, a little bit cuz of the Yiddish too. But Yeah. Yeah, no, the the Polish people have got like affectionate terms for grandma's lockdown. All I had was when I think I was like 4 or 5 years old, uh my grandma tripped and fell down the stairs and broke her ankle and she didn't go to the hospital for a while cuz she didn't have health insurance. So when she did go to the hospital, they actually had to rebreak her ankle so it would set correctly. And I remember distinctly asking my mother, and my mother denies ever saying this, but it is seared into my frontal cortex. I remember asking my mom how they were going to break my grandma's ankle, and my mom told me that they were just going to push her down the stairs again. <laughs> I mean, what was her other choice? Just sitting you down and having you watch Misery? <laughs> so yeah, I don't have any fun, like, affectionate terms for grandmas, but I do have, like, just the most demented fucking stories of my grandma growing up. So, anyways, getting back to things, Commissioner McMillan declares that this partial localization of all these players is good enough. 
And that's where the unlimited tacos will stand. Yeah, you get to that point once in a while. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Uh, you know, we're done. This It's mostly good. Whatever, this has to go to print. Click. The other event that happens during the siesta is the Blazeball Patreon, which starts, I think, around the same time. I don't actually have the date on when the Baseball pa- Patreon started, but it reaches its first goal of $5,000 per month. And because of that, the first Blagonball in Blazeball history is found by the fans, the Five Blood Blagonball. So, of course, we've come across Blagonballs in this podcast, but this is the first Blagonball in Blazeball history. Starting the quest for the Blagonballs. That's just, that's not like an official thing. That's yeah. just what I'm saying. Did we, uh, <laughs> did you mention how many blars were on the Black and Ball? Yes, this is the Five Blood Black and Ball. Okay, Five Blood Black and Ball. Which, uh, as Parker McMillan thinks, this must mean that it has five types of blood, maybe? Who knows? Maybe it's got all of them. <laughs> how many types of blood are there? I thought there was just the, like, one. Uh, well, going through, I thought I could go through a couple of the Blazeball blood types. There's only one type of blood, and that's wet. No, 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 no. Because you'll recall, we, we got interviews, remember? Yeah. Last, at the end of last season, which did reveal blood types of the players. The known blood types of players in Blazeball are A, double A, triple A, acidic, basic... O, oh no, H2O, electric, love, fire, psychic, and grass. So maybe, maybe, technically, uh, this, I don't know if this has been proposed before, but that's doing some quick counting. 13, that's 13 blood types. Maybe this implies that there are 13 blagon balls. You know, it's also, I think, a testament to baseball that this is perhaps one of the only sports events in the world where it would be considered to be a big reveal if a character's blood type was shown to be peanut butter. <laughs> Just so viscous. Call me baseball. <laughs> But yeah, maybe, who knows, maybe, maybe, we know that the Black and Balls at least go up to 9, maybe, maybe they go up to 13. That seems like an appropriate number for things, you know? Spinal Tap has told us that they at least go up to 11. Mmm. Anyways, so yeah, that's what happens during the Grand Siesta. So, the season starts back up, you know, season starts for the first time. We have returning weather, solar eclipse, and peanuts both return. The solar eclipse is, is not as active this time. We do have seven incinerations over the course of the regular season, those being Wit Steakknife, Stevenson Monstera, Eduardo Ingram, shout out to the Destiny crowd, I think. I think that's a Destiny thing. Matteo Carpenter, Combs Duende of the Baltimore Crabs, Thomas England, and Mauro Doyle. Moment of silence for our lost placeballers. Okay, moment over. The other returning weather is peanuts, of course, and and also birds, but again, birds doesn't have a mechanical effect at this moment. Our players do not seem as hungry this season, or at least they are more wary of the lascivious legumes, as there are only uh, two instances of peanuts eating this season. However, 
One is quite notable as on day 13, Jessica Telephone eats a peanut. Jessica Telephone, who you'll recall last season, was proven to not be the best player in baseball, as Nagomi McDaniel was stolen by the blessing that stole the best player in baseball. However, Jessica Telephone, being unallergic to peanuts, has a yummy reaction, boosting her stats, giving her five and a half stars in batting, which A, means that she is probably now, now, the best player in baseball, and also meaning that stat ratings, which previously had only gone up to five, can go above five. This is, we learned this. We learned this by Jessica Telephone eating a peanut. Jessica Telephone, preeminent scientist of baseball. But of course, this is baseball, and we should go over the new weather because there is a new weather. The same in line with the subtitle, the new weather is feedback. And how feedback works is when teams are playing in feedback weather, occasionally reality will flicker and two players on opposing teams will swap places and team allegiances permanently. There's a number of these uh, happening over the course of the over the course of the season. I'm going to highlight four notable ones. The first being on day 25, Tot Fox of the Breckenridge Jazz Hands and Valentine Games of the Baltimore Crabs swap teams. Um, I say this not only because I'm a Baltimore Crabs fan, but because you should remember Valentine Games and feedback. On day 28, Workman Gloom of the Charleston Shoe Thieves and Joe Voorhees of the Canda Moist Talkers switch places, separating Workman Gloom and Beasley Gloom who were both on the Charleston Chew Thieves and often conceived of as a owner and his dog. On day 43, Jessica Telephone, currently on the Hades Tigers, and Spears Taylor of the Philly Pies, feedback swap, meaning Jessica Telephone is back on the Philly Pies, and off of the champions, the Tigers. Not only is baseball a sport, it is also a game of musical chairs. And the fourth one, which I will highlight, is on day 83, Ren Hunter of the Charleston Shoe Thieves and Richardson Games of the New York Millennials swap places, meaning that we have Richardson Games and Cornelius Games on the same team. So this Charleston Shoe Thieves, having lost one pair of last names, replaces them with another pair of last names. Yeah, but this pair of last names does not invite itself to make the obvious joke about there not being any rule that a dog can't play baseball. <laughs> So, going into the events of our regular season, on day 43, Sandy Turner of the New York Millennials successfully is able to steal in a row, second, third, and then home, scoring a run, and, as is revealed afterwards, finding the three-blood blagging ball. Now, how exactly did they find the three-blood blagging ball? Did they, like... Did they cross the home plate and then it was just like, how how did this happen? How do you find that when you are rounding the bases? I imagine that like it's in that slide into home, like just in that there's the big cloud of dust. The umpire is, is looking to make sure that the catcher has not made the touch. And suddenly Sandy Turner just at her feet right next to the base. Oh, hey, there's a wagon ball. It was just, you know, under the base. 
waiting for a worthy person to find it. You know, we never we never talk about how nobody looks under the blazes in traditional god damn it nobody looks under the bases in traditional baseball that's a, a little extra piece of zest that baseball brings to the the scene i i imagine in baseball that when you steal a base you literally pick it up yeah so that's the only thing that makes sense to me you pick it up and then you just high knees across the the baseball <laughs> diamond the season continues until day 88 now on day 88 Blaseball goes down again, and it is reported that the Blaseball game servers experienced a significant, and this is a quote, experienced a significant loss of data, and the game band are required to roll back the state of the game by approximately 8 hours back to 2am, and then manually reconstruct the state of the season back to where it was before this massive data loss, which, man, must suck. <laughs> Just, like, folks, the game band deserve credit for dealing with a huge expanse and having to really deal with live debugging their game. It's gotta be rough. Speaking of rough... Is this a segue into that man's dog? Well... It's not going to play into that man's dog. Because there is one thing that happened during that period which fans were worried about. Which is that, if you'll remember the list of names of incinerated players, one of those was Thomas England. Thomas England was incinerated on day 86 and replaced by Six Pack Dog Walker. Now, since they had to roll back all that, you know, roll back the state of the game world, Thomas England was still alive. Kind of. And Six Pack Dog Walker didn't exist. So, in in what we'll say is, is the equivalent of uh, programming improvisation, is the equivalent of, you know, quick improvisation, to, to get the state of the world in mostly in line, Thomas England isn't technically re-incinerated, but the game band reskinned Thomas England into Six-Pack Dogwalker. We know this because A, their stats remain the same. Six-Pack Dogwalker, when they first appeared, has different stats than Six-Pack Dogwalker after this event, but have, has the same stats as Thomas England. And this is this is jumping forward a little bit, but if if you'll recall the Hall of Flame which collects all the incinerated players. Thomas England is the only player to have been recorded to be incinerated, but not appear in the Hall of Flame, eventually. I say this now because I will not remember this later, so I might as well bring it up now. That's good. Um, I do also want to point out the inherent sort of eldritch ickiness of the phrase reskinned <laughs> when we're talking ostensibly about human beings. <laughs> Well, to commemorate the occasion, Six-Pack Dogwalker is given a unique bat called the Bangers and Smash, and also notably is given a unique pregame ritual of talking to the microphone. Presumably just saying, kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me, <laughs> over and over again. Maybe. 
You know, they I, maybe they just took Thomas England and just stitched on a whole bunch of dogs. Fleeceball is a heartwarming game where if someone is burned to death, you can Animal Crossing time travel back in time to reinstate them by finding a new person and just kind of sliding them into their skin. <laughs> Oh Just my like God. what Tom Nook would want. I don't want to know what the Blaseball version of Mr. Rossetti is. I think it's the peanut. <laughs> the Blaseball version of Mr. Rossetti is going to come in in another four or five seasons. Mark my words. Well, something, no, no. Is gonna, something is going to tunnel up from the earth. Lee, go with me here, because the peanut also shouts at you for trying to cheat the game. He Like, the peanut just needs a hard hat and... More exclamation points, and it's Mr. Rossetti. Okay, I'll open up Photoshop when we're done recording and get to work. (laughs) The other notable thing to happen during this data loss, because the game band was going to have to roll back all the money that players would have lost in that eight-hour time span, what they do instead is double the amount of everyone's coins as they had at that 2 a.m. time. Which means that people who were playing baseball really hard got a gigantic amount of money. Like, I know myself, I had around 200,000 and ended up with 400,000. It was a lot. It was a lot of money. Which also means that this, uh, this season's elections will be quite... There's a lot of inflation going on. Well, we know that a a shitload of money to burn has never influenced an election one way or another. (laughs) The final notable event of this regular season happens on day 99. Game 99, the last game of the regular season. And (sighs) this is the season that won't end because on day 99... The Boston Flowers and the Unlimited Tacos play a record-breaking 24-inning game that goes on for 65 minutes. This is going to cause the first recorded instance of spillover wherein a game goes over that hour mark. If this weren't the last game of the season, it would have delayed every other game following it by an hour. Additionally notable of this game is that... The first 21 innings, neither team was able to score. They went 21 innings without scoring. In the top of the second inning, the Tacos score one run, which the Flowers immediately tie up at the bottom of the inning, and then they go, you know, two more innings after that until the Boston Flowers win in that 24th inning, the bottom of the 24th inning defeating the Unlimited Tacos, which brings us to the end of the regular season. At the end of our season, the Hades Tigers have come in first in the league with 68 wins and 31 losses. At the bottom of the league are the Unlimited Tacos with 30 wins and 69 losses. Nice. Nice. Actually, very bad, but nice. In every in every piece of very bad that we get, may we also be able to retrieve a little granule of nice. <laughs> 
So, which means going into our postseason, going into our playoffs, from the good league we have the Chicago Firefighters, the Charleston Shoe Thieves, the New York Millennials, and the Dallas Stakes. From our evil league, we have the Hades Tigers, our previous season champions, the Canda Moist Talkers, the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, and the Philly Pies. Remember, the Philly Pies have won two championships. If they win one more championship, they will ascend. In round one, the Chicago Firefighters beat the Charleston Shoe Thieves, the New York Millennials overtake the Dallas Stakes, the Hades Tigers take out the Canda Moist Talkers, and the Breckenridge Jazz Hands defeat the Philly Pies. Philly Pies, even with Jessica Telephone back, you <laughs> were not able to make it to the finals, have lost their chance at ascension once more. Going into our semifinals, in the Evil League, the Hades Tigers sweep the Breckenridge Jazz Hands, and then... Something interesting happens in the games between the Chicago Firefighters and the New York Millennial. Because in the ninth inning, the top of the ninth of game four, between the New York Millennials and the Chicago Firefighters, Thomas Dracana hits a ground out to Edric Tosser. What a tosser. Thomas Dracana hits a ground out to Edric Tosser. Thomas Dracana hits a ground out to Edric Tosser. Thomas Dracana hits a ground out to Edric. I'm sorry, I got caught in a in, in a loop there. As did Blaseball for a little bit. As the feed for the games stops for us, and all we can see is Thomas Dracana perpetually hitting a ground out to Edric Tosser for about 24 minutes. Okay, uh, don't be mad at me. Um, I did think that you were caught in a loop as well, so. I did text Adele to come in with the spray bottle to snap you out of it. <laughs> if that happens, I was only trying to help. <laughs> As play resumes, it's noted that feedback is detected during this. We don't see a feedback swap, but the commissioner announces that feedback is detected, much in the same way that feedback was detected during that significant data loss. And when the feed returns, we see that the New York Millennials uh, have won that game and eventually go on to win game five, meaning that our internet series for this season is the New York Millennials versus our last season's champions, the Hades Tigers. And I've always wanted to see some millennials fight a bunch of tigers, so this is gonna be great. You know, it probably goes about as well as, you know, the, the non-mascot versions happen, because the Hades Tigers sweep the New York Millennials in the finals. Uh, the Hades- Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> the, the Tigers go 3-0, hit their second win of the championships, meaning that just like the Philly Pies, one more championship and the Hades Tigers will ascend. Ascended Tigers. Ascended Tigers. We'll, we'll have to see if that happens. Who knows? Biblical angels, but make them tigers. <laughs> do they just, do they just have eyes where all their stripes should be? Yes. Okay. Anyway, it's not surprising to me that the millennials would get their asses kicked by the tigers because I'm a millennial. And my cat frequently just kicks my ass all the time. I can't imagine what would happen if he was, like, tiger-sized. Yeah. Or had a baseball bat. So, Shop, you wouldn't do that, right? He's asleep. <laughs> He's recharging his battery for the next time he needs to kick my ass. Which means we are, of course, at the most capitalist time of the baseball season, the election. So, our election... For this season, we're going to have two decrees winning again. Our decree ballot is alternate reality. Randomize the stats of one hitter and one pitcher on every team. Tame the Tigers. 
which is five players from the Hades Tigers will be randomly distributed throughout the league. I will note that there is a huge amount of discourse over the course of the week over the Tame the Tigers decree. Man, People get really upset about the idea of Taming the Tigers. There's a lot of declarations about it being mean. There's a lot of... Uh, it's... This is... This is the start of some of... This may be the discipline era of baseball, but we have also begun to enter the discourse era of baseball. Oh, Evan, Evan, you are just singing sweet music to my ears. I'm I'm no good at sports, but by God, am I great at just rolling around in whatever discourse Twitter has provided for me for that day. Yeah, there's the I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna get too much into it, but but suffice to say there's a lot of discourse over the Tame the Tigers decree. Targeted shame. The top four teams will be punished with targeted shame next season. When they're shamed, they'll start the next game with negative runs equal to their shame. Home field advantage, the bottom four teams will gain home field advantage for the next season. They'll start each of their home games with one run. And fourth strike, the bottom four teams from each season will gain the fourth strike for the next season. It will take four strikes to strike out any of their batters. Notably, we had seen fourth strike win earlier, but the difference in this one is that it is worded such that it would happen every season instead of only one season as happened before. The winners for these decrees are targeted shame and alternate reality, which means that the Tigers were able to avoid being tamed, but we see that they, the Chicago Firefighters, the New York Millennials, and the Breckenridge Jazz Hands are targeted for shame. Targeted shame, we are in the discourse era. <laughs> As for alternate reality, the alternates are called, they take their places, reverberations build. We see on each team as a pitcher and batter are replaced by alternates. This means that they have newly randomized stats and also have the modification of alternate. Going into our blessings for the season, of course, going in the order at which they were awarded, Solidarity blesses the Hades Tigers, improving the Hades Tigers' max vibes by 15%. Oh, yeah. Best Offense blesses the Philly Pies, which switches their best pitching hitter, Elvis Figueroa, with their worst pitcher, Forrest Bookbaby. So they swap positions, Elvis Figueroa now being a pitcher and Forrest Bookbaby now being a batter. Questioning their every decision blesses the Canada Moist Talkers, which, this is going to sound weird, it lowers the minimum vibes of the Houston Spies, the Miami Dolly, the Seattle Garages, and the Breckenridge Jazz Hands by 7%. That's just called having depression. <laughs> The best defense blesses the Baltimore Crabs. The Crabs actually win two very similar blessings here, which does some nice optimization of their lineup because they win the best defense, which switches their best hitting pitcher, Oliver Not a Robot, my boy, and their worst hitter, Joshua Watson, and Mutual Aid swaps their worst hitter, Finn James, and their worst pitcher, Tillman Henderson. Tillman Henderson! Tillman Henderson! So, Oliver Not a Robot and Tillman Henderson Oliver Not a Robot recently, interestingly, Oliver Not a Robot and Joshua Watson were also the Baltimore Crabs alternates, but Oliver Not a Robot and Tillman Hendersons, who were both pretty terrible pitchers, become batters and are pretty solid batters. The Grappling Hook blesses the Charleston Shoe Thieves and new Charleston Shoe Thieves Richardson Gaines gains that Grappling Hook, increasing their base running and defense by a huge amount. 
Extra Elbows blesses the San Francisco lovers, increasing the pitching, which grants a star of pitching to three of their pitchers. Yosh Carpenter Sanford Garner uh, actually manages to steal two of those stars, so Sanford Garner actually gains two stars of pitching. Non-Dominant Arms blesses the Kansas City Breathments, improving their pitching by 13%. Evil Wind Spirits blesses the Miami Dale, improving their base running by 15%. Getting in their heads, parentheses, literally, blesses the Boston Flowers, decreasing the maximum vibes of the Charleston Shoe Thieves, Hawaii Fridays, Yellowstone Magic, and New York Millennials by 7%. Our good friend Exploratory Surgeries is back and blesses the Boston Flowers, randomizing the pitching of their worst hitters. Notably, this goes better for them than it did the Unlimited Tacos, as overall they get an increase from 0 to 1.5 stars and an increase, well... It goes a little better. They get an increase from one and a half stars, from zero to one and a half stars, and then one of their pitchers goes from one and a half stars to one star. So, again, better than the tacos. <laughs> Still not great. Keeping it wavy, presented by Friends at the Table, blesses the Hawaii Fridays, uh, improving the Hawaii Fridays minimum vibes by 15%. The Hawaii Fridays keeping it chill. The Hawaii Fridays also win the rack, improving their defense by 15%. Mushroom blesses the Mexico City Wild Wings as Jose Haley gains the Mushroom. Their power and max vibes increase, but their base running goes down. Precognition blesses the Hellmouth Sunbeams. This gives one star of hitting to three of their hitters, those being Nagomi Nava, Emmett Internet, and Randall Marijuana. And finally, Summoning Circle blesses the Houston Spies, randomizing the stats of their worst hitter three times. Again, this could be better, as it hits the same player three times in a row. But that player, Marco Estebar, at the end, manages to go from one star of hitting to three stars. So, a gain. A solid gain. Again. And that's where we end our season. That's... That's their season, Lee. We have, you know, I'm not going to go through every single player that was alternated because that would be, you know, 40 players. But we have our alternates. They've been called in. Reverberations have started. This was the, the season of feedback. There's been some lineup changes. The Tigers have their second championship ring. And what, how, do, how do you feel about this season, Lee? You know, so we've reached... The era of feedback. Yes. I think that it would be fun if players were able to give each other star ratings like on Uber. <laughs> like, hey, this this guy is really good at rounding bases, but he also throws the ball really hard and it hurts my hand when I catch it because he has 68 thumbs on his pitching arm. So he only gets four stars. <laughs> Yeah, the interviews have given us insight into the players as they relate to us, but not to the players to how they relate to each other. Yes, and to be quite frank, I don't give a shit how the players relate to us. I want that, like, juicy inter-team drama. You want S-Links. You want S-Links. I want S-Links. <laughs> oh, man. Is that is that what you're hoping for coming coming out of this season? You're hoping for S Links to show up? Yeah, what what I would really hope for, this is the dream. This will never happen because as far as I know, Vlace Ball isn't a thing that happens with anything approximating real people. 
But I think it would be fun if we got a reality spin-off show of Blaseball where we stick all of them in a house together and just watch what happens. I mean, Lee, that's that's kind of what the RP Twitter is. The what? Oh, have we not gone over this? I'm sorry, some I should have mentioned, particularly because this is where some of the some of the discourse emerges from, is that by this point, there is a large wave of fans taking to Twitter and RPing as different placeball characters. Okay, Evan, okay. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I'm making a call right here. Fuck the legal recap podcast that we were thinking of. We are doing a Blaseball roleplay Twitter recap podcast. Uh, listen, listen. I am taking no responsibility. I over am having... rolling my sleeves up right now. And I should also note that the the, the trial, the the court recap came out of RP Twitter. I don't care. You're not tricking me into reading a legal brief. <laughs> I will forget to learn how to read if it comes down to it. Oh, goodness. All right. So, so, <laughs> uh, so that's our season. That's the end of things. We're, we've ended season four of feedback. We've opened into the great expanse of lead learning that not only is there AO3 fic of baseball, but there's RP Twitter. <laughs> I'm rubbing my grimy little hands together. Uh... <laughs> As always, I've been Evan Saft. You can find me on Twitter, at NamesEquip. You can find both of us on our other Twitter rollout, playing a queer-as-fuck mass campaign. Lee, you want to take it from here? Yes. As always, I have been Eli Lee. You can find me on Twitter, at It's HamHawks. And until next time, I hope that... Even if your life visits some some form of tragedy or unpleasantness on you, you can at least be able to retract a little kernel of nice from it. Thanks to the garages for letting us use their song, and I mean all gods, as our theme. You can find more music that they've written about baseball at thegarages.bandcamp.com.